He is the Messiah who will rule and reign forever, sitting on the throne, Jesus Christ the King. He will speak and these worlds will be altered forever. May God get all the glory. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, whether you're joining us online or here in person. Man, we are here to make much of Jesus Christ. He alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Messiah, Savior. He is the one promised who will reign and rule forever. May we worship him with all we've got. And all of God's people said... Amen, man. Don't miss it. That's what we're here for. That's the reason we rally, to make much of Jesus Christ. May he get all the praise. So, hey, we are in a series here. We just launched it last week, the book of Revelation. And we're excited to be walking through this throughout the year. Uh, this first series here is actually going to be Revelation chapters 1 through 3. And uh, just excited to be able to get after this. Uh, our battle cry is for worship, man. It is all about worship. Just remember, for worship, not for worry, right? For worship, not for worry. Everybody say it loud. Say it with me. For worship, not for worry. All too often, you can start to pour into the details of Revelation and you get caught up in what may be going bad or wrong, but you start missing out on the greatness and the grandeur and the awesomeness of God Almighty, of the perfection of Jesus Christ, that he is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament that is the one who is going to come again, King of Kings. May we live and serve and worship that king. And all of God's people said. All right, so that said, we got a great start last week as we went after it. You should have a book with you uh, that you got either last week or this when you came in. That book actually has the sermon outlines. It's got the reading plans uh, for each week, Monday through Friday. And it's also got all the impact group questions there as well that are helpful to just go through. So make sure you get a hold of that book. If you do not have that book, just go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will try and get a book to you, all right? So just raise your hand. And if uh, you need that, they will get one to you, okay? So let's jump in. Let's go after it. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 9, as we go into week 2 here. Revelation 1, starting in verse 9. And uh, the title for today's sermon is Behold the Son of Man. Behold the Son of Man. May we worship and celebrate all that Jesus Christ is. So point number one, patiently endure for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Patiently endure for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Right? Our celebration in here is in all that Christ is, but it's a call for us to endure patiently endure. And John kind of speaking to some of that as he gets going in this portion of chapter one today. So here we go. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he starts out, he says, I, John, Right? So this is the author. He's making clear who he is. This is the Apostle John, right? There were 12 apostles. The other 11 have already passed away. They've already been martyred in various ways, shapes, and forms. John is the last one alive. He is on the island of Patmos. He's been put there in exile. John is in prison for standing for Jesus Christ. And so he says, I, John, you know, the one who wrote the Gospel, John, the one who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 
the one who leaned up against Christ as best friend, and they would spend time together, that John. John is writing, and he says, I, John, your brother and partner. He's talking to them, not because they are blood family, but because spiritually, they're both in the same family. They're saved, right? So when he says brother, he means saved. Everybody say saved. Saved. Right? And so he's like, hey, these guys, you trust Christ. I trust Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, we are brothers and partners. Like he is fully aware that the church has been under high pressure. The church has been being spread out. There's a lot of troubles going on. Some of the churches have gotten a little wobbly. John himself is on the island of Patmos in prison. Like you could argue things weren't going that well. And so John's addressing it as he gets started in this letter. He says, uh, I am your brother and your partner in what? In the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. In the tribulation, he's like, there is a suffering that takes place in this world when you take a stand for Jesus Christ. I know that, John speaking. I know that. I'm aware of that. I recognize the struggle that comes, but hang in there. There is troubles and tribulation. Man, this world does not like to hear the statement, I stand for Jesus Christ and I will not move. Like this world does not respond well to that challenge, but here's the reality. We are called to that. John was called to that, and he was calling out all of those he was writing to. He's like, please make sure you recognize, yes, there may be tribulations that wash on our shore. There may be struggles. There may be heartaches along the way, but hang on. The next word is huge. Tribulation and the kingdom. He's like, don't lose sight of what this is all about. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He's like, amen, man, don't forget, we have hope. The kingdom is being built. The church, capital C church, not just one little, but all the churches together that rally around the name of Jesus Christ as celebrating him as savior and God almighty. Man, hear this. We are becoming a kingdom, a force, and we will forever be with Jesus Christ. He's basically saying, look, I know it's hard, but there is purpose. There is hope. There is reason. And we are with the king of kings. Don't miss it. He said, yes, partner in the tribulation, partner in the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus Christ. Endurance. This is when we're being able to put up with something washing on our shore. When things come our way that are hard on us, hard spiritually, hard emotionally, it's an endurance, an endurance that we find in Jesus Christ. As he pours his love into our hearts, as he brings a hope and an understanding, it gives us a longevity. It gives us an endurance despite the junk washing up. And notice the word that's attached to it, not just endurance, but patient endurance. See, a lot of times we can try to tolerate what's happening, but in fact, it's getting the better of us very quickly. And all of a sudden we're collapsing down. He's like, man, make sure your worship is on fire. Make sure that your celebration of Jesus Christ is absolutely priority. Make sure your soul is being filled up with all that Jesus Christ is. He gives an endurance along the way and a patient endurance because God is love. God is patience. 
The endurance that comes from him is not a tolerance as we're annoyed to death. It's, Lord God, change me and shape me in the midst. I am ready to be able to be a light in this dark world. May you truly get all the praise. Let's just say it this way. When Jesus is impacting your soul, there's a sign in your soul that's patient endurance. And maybe we could even say it this way. It's our worship is speaking louder than our whining, right? When we're truly centered up with Christ, our worship is louder than our whining. When the whining starts to take over, we're drifting away from Christ in that moment. May our worship be louder than our whine. And all of God's people said, and that's a huge call out. And John's like, hey, I'm with you in this. He's like, let me give you a little bit of my resume. So I was on the island called Patmos. Now, remember from last week, he's writing to the seven churches. And in fact, we're going to see more of those seven churches today listed out, the seven churches in Asia Minor, just right there nearby. So Patmos is this little island in the water. And just across the water is the mainland where these seven churches are. They would have known this island well, the seven churches would have. And John was there because he was imprisoned. He took a stand for Christ. And so he was placed there by the emperor who said, I'm done with this guy. If you're going to do this, standing for Jesus, causing trouble, get him out of here. And so they put him on the island called Patmos. When he would have said to those seven churches, I'm on Patmos, they'd have been like, oh, I know that church really well. Now, the reality is we looked at this map last week. Let's go ahead and throw this map up again. It is in your book. Uh, if you want to go back one chapter right there, that's there. But let's throw this up. So you can see, this is the map real quickly. You can see Greece up there, and that's the Mediterranean waters. And, and then you've got the landmass to the right there. Patmos is that island circled right out there in the water. And so he was on this island in exile, placed there to keep him away from people and not influencing people because of the stand he was taking. The seven churches he's writing to are those right there. They would have known this turf well, right? So when John said this, they would have heard, got it. You're under great tribulation and struggle. Got it, okay? So that's what's going on. John said, yeah, I'm on the island called Patmos. And uh, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. On account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's like, let me tell you why I'm here. Because I will not move off God's word. Because God's word is absolute truth. And I stand alone on his word. And I trust in his word. And his word speaks of a coming Messiah and this hoped one who came first as lamb and will come again as lion. Jesus Christ is Messiah, Savior. And I'm trusting in him. And he's like, listen, as I took the stand and said, I won't move off of his word. What it says is what it is. And I will worship this one, Jesus Christ. He was saying more than that. He was saying, I'm a witness. I walked with this Jesus. I talked with this Jesus. I saw him commit, perform miracles. I saw people saved. I saw lives changed. I saw him die on a cross and I saw him rise again. This one is risen. This one is God Almighty and I will not bend. That's the testimony. John took a hardcore stand that Jesus Christ is our hope. Man, may we take that same stand today. Are you ready to take a stand that says God's word and Jesus Christ as King and Messiah, he is it. 
Are you ready to trust him as your Lord and Savior, taking a stand? That's the call out. John's like, yeah, I was on the island because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I took a stand for him. And then he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, all too often when we read scripture, we kind of read through it too fast and we just sort of let it happen. And then we don't really realize what that would have been like. So imagine that you're in exile. You're on an island in the Mediterranean. You're like, this sounds great so far, right? (laughs) Wasn't that great? So you're on this prison island. It's quiet. You can hear the wind blowing. Maybe you even hear the water lapping up on the shore. You just hear that soft. And all of a sudden, somebody's right next to you. Dude, don't miss that. It's completely quiet. Have you ever had a moment where you're in your house and you thought everybody was gone and then somebody walks up next to you and goes, hey, I was wondering. You're like, whoa, dude, I thought you were gone, right? Imagine that kind of moment. It is absolute silence on an island. And all of a sudden, there's somebody standing next to him speaking with the volume of a voice like a trumpet. Dude, this wasn't a whisper. This was booming forth the statement. And he says, this massive call out says to him, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Thundering statements. You've seen some already. Write down what you see and put it in a book. Thundering forth and challenging him. And in the midst of this challenge, John ends up getting the gist of what's supposed to happen with all of the visions elements that he had. He's supposed to write it down. Now notice it says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was in the spirit. He was in the midst of tribulation. He's on an island. He's completely isolated. He's suffering and he's worshiping. Don't miss it. He is worshiping with patient endurance as he is in the spirit and celebrating. Now, it says on the Lord's day, and that could mean one of two things, really. We use it today to talk about like the first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's day, right? And it could be that. It could be that that's what it means. It could be, though, that instead of it talking more about the time of it, the day of the week, it could be talking about the content of it, the day of the Lord, which would be all of that which comes when Christ returns and the content that's around it. I was in the spirit and I was being revealed to the details of the day of the Lord. Could be either one of those, could be both and. Either way, let's just say this. That was some rock and worship going on. He had a huge moment with Jesus Christ and a huge moment in the spirit and had this amazing sharing going on as God now steps in with him very specifically. And says, he want, I want you to write this down in a book. He is writing down the revelation. Please hear me on that, by the way. He's writing down the revelation, singular, right? Revelation, there is one revelation, many visions within it, but a singular, there is one, just revelation, not revelations, not that. There is many visions, one reveal of the wholeness of Jesus, him coming again, and all that is attached to it. This is the great reveal about Jesus Christ's second coming, all right? Revelation is singular. So everybody say the word with me, ready? Revelation, 
Say it louder, say it bigger. Did I hear an S on that? Don't put an S there, right? <laughs> and you're, some of you are like, no, it really is plural. Look, look at your book, man. Look down at the Bible and check it out. It's singular, all right? One big reveal about Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's told, hey, make sure you write this down and send it to the seven churches. Well, which seven churches? He says right after it. To Ephesus and Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to the Philadelphia and to Laodicea. He names the seven churches that are on Asia Minor just across the water from him and says, why don't you write to these? These are real churches. John said last week in the first uh, few verses that we looked at, he was writing to the seven churches in Asia Minor. These were real churches at a real time right at the time of John. In fact, we're going to run into this in just a little bit in the passage, a little bit more detail on it, but super important that we grasp this. John was actually writing to actual churches at that time. It's a big deal, okay? Now, some will say, I think this is actually the church across the church age, like covering the thousands of years of the church age and covering different pieces of it. And I will say, I am sure you'll find commonality in these seven churches across the church age in different ways, shapes, and forms. But very specifically, he is writing to those in Asia Minor, and he is writing to the ones with specific name that he is supposed to send it to. He was given assignment that he could accomplish things right there in that time, okay? Really big deal that we get that. It's not wrong that it's seen um, to kind of learn from, just like we maybe read the letter to the Colossians, and we see what they were being challenged with, and we learn from that, and we bring it in, and we say, okay, so what could we go after this week knowing that and seeing that? Kind of what's the principle that is timeless, and we go after it. Same thing here. We can be seeing these letters to the seven churches, seeing the truth of, and taking a trip across kind of the principle that's timeless, and Lord, what do you have for us today? That's the proper way to read through these seven churches, okay? These are real churches that we can really learn from. Ready? And all of God's people said. All right. So we're going to dive into that over the next seven weeks. But today, we're going to close down chapter one here. He says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and turning, I saw. Just hold right there. Now, picture you're the guy on that island picture you just got surprised by the presence of somebody and the volume of somebody and the authority of somebody, and now you turn around. What does that look like? Probably something a little like this. Right? I, I don't think this is just a casual, hey, like it's not that. This is like, who is behind me? What is going on? I turned slowly and I saw is definitely the kind of the feel of what's happening here. John turned and he said he saw. Now we're going to go through this vision piece. This is the first vision in the book of Revelation. And I'm just going to tell you, don't sweat it. Jesus tells us exactly what it means and what we're supposed to get out of it. Just hang on. We'll be there by the end of today. Okay. He gives us the meaning for it. So here we go. He says, I turned and I saw. I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lamp stands one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many 
waters. He's like, there's the son of man, seven lampstands. There's this white robe, golden sash, massive authority. In fact, a little bit more than that, it even says, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in its full strength. He is beaming forth in the holy, righteous glory that he is. His face is beaming forth. He's wearing a white robe with a gold sash. He's got the seven lampstands and he's got seven stars in his hand. There is clear, massive authority in all that he's seeing. Jesus is like, I'm calling you to some tough things and a lot that you're going to have to endure. Best that you know who you're trusting. And he's revealing a little bit of himself right then and there. An amazing privilege. And we're going to look more at this in detail in the second point. But man, here's the reality. John is talking to the churches and he says, patient endurance. Get ready. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, and all of his holiness is the one who has it in hand. May we trust him. May we walk through this broken world, you and I, as the junk of this world washes on our shore, as the tough things of the week make their way into my home and my life, Lord God, may I truly with patient endurance continue in worship, not whining, right? That's the battle cry. You know, this past week was, uh, it was a rough week around here, man. It, it was a rough week. Like, we had men's event on Tuesday night, which is awesome. Love rallying the guys together. And we had hundreds of guys here. We did some Chick-fil-A and then a huge worship time and a big preach. Pastor Mark did a great job delivering the word and just a sweet challenge, man, a great night. But just so you know, it started on Monday night with the power went out here at the building. Now, it didn't really just go out. It wasn't blackout. It was like, we have three phases feeding this building. One of the phases went into brown mode kind of like up and down and really messy, popped a bunch of circuit breakers, like it got rough, man. And all of a sudden, everything's getting dicey. Our production guys and IT and tech guys were scrambling around, shutting everything down as fast as possible. By the way, they killed it, doing a huge job this week to make sure we're running with lights right now and running loud. And uh, just so we're super clear, if this didn't work, I don't even want to say it, Craig, I'm sorry, man. We have battery-backed lights back here, and we got, don't, don't test it, though. Like, let's just keep the lights on, and we're good, right? But praise God for it, man. We got guys who know what they're doing, and they're working hard. As we got into early Tuesday morning, all of a sudden, the power came back on, thank the Lord. And so we were able to get after it. We were able to come in and test things, get everything set up. We did the men's event Tuesday, and it cranked well. It was awesome. Here's the deal. When we took inventory, all of the equipment was able to turn back on. Everything worked except one piece, one type. It was the same one, and uh, we actually have 17 of those units. It's a lighting that we put on this stage a little bit and some of the other stages for the children's space, just to kind of do some area fills. Those lights are old. You know, I'm not going to lie. They're a little bit old. They're also a little bit maybe on the cheaper side, but the reality is they did a great job in their time. They just tended to not come with any circuit protection whatsoever. So as the voltage levels were doing this or even spiking, they did really did not do that great on it. Now, the reality is they shouldn't have to live under that, but they did. And there wasn't the greatest circuit protection built into it. All the other stuff did. Things like circuit protectors would pop and we just had to turn them back on or unplug them and restart them and stuff lit right back up. Not that though. 
The reality is those lights, they needed much better circuit protection. A little bit of the brownout stuff and it just put them all down. Here's what John is saying in this message. Man, make sure your faith is not taken down by the world delivering some mess into your life. Make sure that your faith has circuit protection built in. Worship that can absolutely stand the test of the rough coming on. Make sure that you have patient endurance, which by the way comes with massive worship of your God, beholding him regularly, his glory pouring into you, shaping your soul. Man, I'm telling you, you will find endurance rises in you when your worship rises up. Go after it with your God. So this call out is a simple call. May your faith be ready to deal with what this world brings. May you be on fire and ready to go after your worship of Jesus, whatever God so deems washes on your shore with patient endurance. Maybe let's even say it this way. So what's washing on your shore this week, this month, this year, that is a challenge in huge ways? What in your life is checking you at the door and causing your faith to wobble? May we go to worship, not whining. It's time to take those struggles to your Lord and say, Lord God, I'm handing this to you. May this not get the better of me. I am ready for you to get the praise. And all of God's people said, this first call is may we have this enduring faith. Second, point number two, fear not. Rest your faith and your worship in the one who has the keys to death and Hades. Rest your faith and your worship in the one who has the keys to death and Hades. Fear not. John starts out, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. When he saw the glory of Jesus Christ, when he saw the glory of the one standing before him, he was stunned and he dropped to his knees. He bowed and he worshiped with all he had. Now it says he bowed and he was as dead. I will say this, while there was a worship, like you are clearly greater than me, there was also a massive welling up of fear. My sin in front of this holy God? Lord God, I don't stand in front of you. Let's make this super clear. When we as humans stand in front of God and his, hum his amazing human driving to their knees glory, hear me on this we will instantly drop and say what Isaiah said in chapter six, woe is me, I am undone. I am undone. Know this, he saw the glory of the almighty God and he was stunned and it dropped him where he was. Fear riveting through him as he was aware of his sin and also worship as he was aware of the greatness of Jesus Christ. It says, but Jesus, he laid his hand, his right hand on me saying, Fear not. You got to imagine that. As Jesus in all of his beaming glory, as the authority, as the son of man, the coming king, Jesus takes his hand and sets it on John's shoulder. And as he squeezes down just a little, he says, 
don't worry. Fear not. You got to picture the volume dropped massively. There was this thunderous statement of what to do. Don't worry. Fear not. You got to see the smile on Jesus' face, the tone as he called it out. Trust me. I'm right here with you. I love you. And we've got this. Remember, this is John, the one who laughed with Jesus, walked with Jesus, leaned against Jesus, and now he is on his knees shaking, and Jesus is putting his hand on and calling him to a deeper trusting relationship. He said, hear me, don't fear. Man, this is a simple battle cry. It comes down to this simple statement, which we've said multiple times, for worship, not for worry. Everybody just say it with me. For worship, not for worry. Say it louder, say it bigger. For worship, not for worry. That's why we're walking through Revelation. As Jesus had all of this revealed to John, as John's seeing his glory and is rattled, Jesus is putting his hand on and saying, hang in there. Worship, don't fret, don't fear, don't worry. May God get all the glory. It's a huge call out, okay? The next step is going to be Jesus defining some details. So let's start out just by taking a quick look at the image of kind of a rendering of what he may have looked at. Let's go ahead and throw the pick up. You have this on your books in the bottom of that second point. Uh, this image was actually something that was drawn by one of our local artists. Tim Beck uh, goes to this church. He's one of our drummers and bass guitarists and stuff too, but great artist along the way. So this is just capturing a little bit of the thought. Notice that his face just beaming forth the glory of God Almighty, His holiness. You see Him in the white robe and the gold sash. You see the seven lampstands around Him. You see Him holding on to the seven stars. This is what John saw as he turned around and began to soak in just a little bit. And he fell down before the glory and the holiness of Jesus Christ in a huge way. Man, make sure you grasp just a little bit as you walk through Revelation of what it must be like to see and then fill in the blank whatever you're looking at, all right? So as we go in here, now Jesus is going to be defining the vision. He says, I am the first and the last and the living one. I am the first and the last and the living one. I am the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the one who speaks it and it starts. I am the one who speaks and sin is put to an end. I am the one who will speak and a new heaven, new earth, new creation will exist. I am telling you, I am the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. I am over it all. All creation is under Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. he is creator king and he's in charge. And he's like, just so you know, I am that Alpha and Omega. Then he says, I died. Well, a lot of people die. Dying isn't necessarily the biggest piece, right? I died and behold. And remember, when we see the word behold, we say, right? So Jesus died on the cross and yes, he covers our sin. So that death, massive and important. But more than that, as he died on the cross, he did more. It says next, behold this, I am alive forevermore. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive. 
Jesus Christ has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He pays for what we owe. And forever we can have life eternal with the one who is alive forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, man, do not miss it. Jesus is declaring, salvation is in me. I am alive forevermore. I exist from eternity past to eternity future, and I am risen from the dead. Super important deal that we believe that Jesus is alive. He is risen and alive. He has conquered death and sin. May God get all the glory. He says, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades, and I'm in charge of it all. That's what he's saying. And the keys are in my hand, and I rule over what happens, and what goes down with sin, and what goes down with payment of, and I've managed it all. Death is conquered. Hell, Hades, and death, they're in my hands. I have it all. This is your God. This is who you worship. The God of the universe who stands before you and says, I am over it all. When we get just a glimpse of his glory, we get dropped to our knees. This is our God. Man, may we not get too simplistic and small. May we stop reading words on a page and just move on. Be blown away with the glory of God Almighty. May you be stunned with the massiveness of Jesus Christ. He says, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. And then he says, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place. Just so you know, this is a fantastic outline for the book of Revelation. Those that are and those that are to take place, right? So it's really two parts to it there. Write down the things you've seen, those that are and those that are to take place. He's like the things of the churches, the seven churches, which we're going to be looking at over the next seven weeks, going through a letter to each of those churches, seeing the challenges they were in, the encouragements they had, the successes and the rough spots that they had going on. What can we learn and how can we be growing in him? The things that are at the time of John, real churches learning from that and the things that are to be coming future. Man, Jesus Christ is coming again, and there's a whole set of visions attached to that. Record that as well. This is a fantastic outline for the book of Revelation, the things that are and the things that are to take place. This first series, Revelation 1 through 3, is the things that are. And then Revelation 4 all the way through to 22 will be the things that are to take place. Okay, that's where we're headed. He says, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands... Can you imagine if you're John? Jesus is like, now, as for the mystery of the stars and the lampstands, I would think John probably leaned in a little bit. Like, yeah, I was kind of wondering what that represented. Like, what is, like he's leaning in, getting ready for the explanation as Jesus begins to make it clear. Notice, by the way, he says the seven stars are in his right hand, his ruling right hand. It says, and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, that word angel in the Greek means messenger. So it could mean a divine spiritual messenger, like an angel, what we would think of as that, right? Those spiritual angels. And maybe that is what he's talking about here. 
Um, he also would use those terms, though, to be for a human messenger, someone that would bring the message to the church and the challenge to the church. This could be basically the, the preacher, the pastor of the church, bringing the message to the church. And, and whichever one it is and however it works out, God divinely sending messenger and managing it out. Probably, I believe this is probably the human pastor being talked to because actually as we see churches and how God grows them, he tends to use the spoken word and go after it. So it probably is that, but either way, it's God saying the messenger is in his hand, all seven of them. Here's what he's saying. I'm telling you this, behold, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do not worry, John. I know it looks bad. I know the 11 apostles are gone. I know you're suffering right now. I know the churches are somewhat wobbling. Hang on. I have those seven in my hand. The seven messengers, my hand. I am going to be growing this and doing an amazing work in it. And then he says, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so the seven lampstands that were around him represent the seven churches, the seven stars, the messengers or pastors or messengers of angelic form, however that is, to the church. The reality, we have seven churches that Jesus is going to be reaching out to. He's in charge. He's got it in hand. Huge message to John. Don't worry. The church is in my hands, John. And we're going somewhere with this, okay? Now, this last week, I was looking up a couple of details and, and ran into this fact, um, which is very interesting. So, John was actually placed on the island of Patmos around 95, 96 AD. Uh, Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, recorded and said, you know, John was there around the end of the Domitian reign, okay? Domitian is one of the emperors. And so you have that statement of it. So if you actually look up a little bit on Domitian, he actually uh, was an emperor. He made a coin, uh, which every emperor did. When it was their turn, they put their head on the coin, right? And then on the backside, on the tail of it, he chose to put something. He put actually the image of an infant, okay? And the image of the infant was to represent his son who had passed away. He lost his child, This would be who he would call prince, one that would have come on to serve after him and reign after him. And he was just so devastated at the loss of his son. He ended up calling all of the Roman area to remember every time they used a coin to remember his son. And that little picture of an infant had seven stars around it. And when Jesus was saying this to John, it had to bring a smile to John's face. Because Jesus is like, listen, I am the prince of the universe, and I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore. And the seven stars, they sit in my right hand. I am ruling, I am reigning, I have this church age, I have all the churches in my hand. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You hang on, John. Maybe here's another way to say it. He was saying, Domitian, you got to be kidding me, John. You're dealing with Jesus Christ, the holy king of the universe. I am Messiah's savior. And I have the messengers in my hand. And I have the churches around me. And I will be making influence. Behold, 
the capital C church will ignite with fervor for me. Hang on. As a power message, as he's beginning to say, look at all that I'm going to do. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, then please hear me. Our job as we go through this passage is to worship. And you are being called to behold the Son of Man, the Messiah Savior, the one promised from old who will come again. He is the Messiah who will rule and reign forever, sitting on the throne, Jesus Christ the King. He will speak and these worlds will be altered forever. May God get all the glory. Are you ready to behold the Son of Man? Are you ready to behold the Lamb of God? Are you ready to behold the King of Kings and have your life rocked? May we be able to say even a little of, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and Lord God, stun me with your greatness. May you get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 